introduce to you Greg Clay as a candidate for uh, eldership. Uh, we've uh, gone through that two years, I guess, and uh, and now had the 30 days of uh, open um, uh, time of of questioning. If anyone in the congregation had a question, and this morning uh, we have the distinct honor uh, to affirm Greg Clay as an elder at Summit Crossing. Uh, here at Summit, we understand that the Bible uh, teaches that God gives to the local church a plurality of elders to oversee and shepherd her members. And the scriptures provide qualifications, responsibilities, and warnings for those who have been called and set apart to this role. And at Summit, we take the qualifications seriously. And because of that, we've spent an extended time of, of examining and assessing and questioning, both theologically and uh, character assessment. Um, and Greg has been in this process, as I've said, for two years or more. During that time, we've uh, gotten to know him, examined him, asked theological questions, uh, saw how he would handle different situations within the context of the church as well. And now after that, the elders have publicly announced his candidacy um, and given you an opportunity as the church over 30 days uh, to question him or come to us with any issues that you may have. And after this full assessment of his character and calling, we, the elders of Summit Crossing, publicly affirm that Greg Clay has been set apart and called by the Holy Spirit to be an elder. As you know, the responsibilities of eldership are broad and weighty. But for a time, <clears throat> in simplicity's sake, they can be reduced to just two things. I said the same thing when we affirmed Joel not too long ago. Those two things are the word and prayer. Deacons were established so that elders could dedicate themselves to the word and prayer. And all of the work of an elder, whether it is pastoral or oversight in nature, must come from the word and must be prayerfully considered. This is because the flock which we are called to shepherd, as you know, is not our own. It is the shepherd, it is shepherded by the chief shepherd. It is the flock of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, Greg, when you and I were in missional community together for the very first time, several, several years ago now, uh, we used to somewhat joke uh, that how could two guys, you remember, right? How could two guys who are so like-minded, who were seeking community of like-minded believers, going through some hard difficulties within churches. How could we be so close and not know each other existed, right? Um, well, thanks be to God that he has led us to know each other exist. Uh, and now I consider it a great honor and blessing, seriously, to be able uh, not only to know you as a friend, but now to be able to serve alongside you as an elder. Uh, and that is a, going to be a deep joy of mine in the years to come. So, Greg, as you minister well to the flock of God over the many years of your life as an elder, I pray you will work hard in this manner, help the weak, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. With that said, as Paul encouraged the Ephesians elders, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance 
among those who are sanctified. Um, <clears throat> so we can take a minute and, and share kind of, uh, Greg, some things that I've been encouraged by um, and affirm you in those. Uh, for me, getting to know Greg has come primarily over ping pong matches in the back of this worship center. Um, and it's been, yeah, yeah. So Greg, uh, the first thing I want to say about you is your humility, but he's also very competitive. So don't let this fool you. <laughs> no, but it's, it's been fun. And one of the things, Greg, just three things boiled it down to that are encouraging to me is first your humility. Um, as someone who is younger than you and someone who um, I, I'm just very grateful that you've treated me with respect and that we've been able to have conversations while you've also challenged me immensely and someone that I, I look who's been down the road uh, much further as someone with young kids. I love um, hearing your stories and your humility in your parenting, things you did well and things you didn't do as well. And you said, I wish I would have done differently, but the underlying thing there was humility um, and God dependence. And so that's really encouraging to me and affirm you in that. Um, and that kind of leads into the other two things, which is first, uh, secondly, an encourager. Um, anytime I, I watch you encourage people as they lead in the body, and I know you've encouraged all these brothers up here in various roles and areas, um, as well as other people within our body. Um, and I've watched you do that. And that's huge. Um, as you shepherd people, you really do desire to see people succeed. And it's not a competition for you. You truly are excited when other people um, are able to lead in areas or whatever, and you just encourage them. And that's um, uh, just a really, uh, yeah, encouraging thing to me. And then the last thing is just faithfulness. Um, having only known you the last, I guess, five, six years, but hearing your story, um, you guys have been through a lot. And the thing that I'm encouraged by is your consistency, your faithfulness, your steadiness. And I'm sure probably in your heart it feels more like this. Um, but seeing it uh, from our perspective, um, there's a stability about you that I think is encouraging and will serve this body well. And so I hope you guys um, are excited and encouraged to have Greg as a part of the team leading this body. And, and I'm excited as well. So love you, Greg. Um, Greg, also, um, stability is one of my favorite things because it's one of the most necessary things um, for if you're going to do a long haul. <laughs> and so I, I, I do appreciate that. I, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years. Um, we've talked theology, methodology, missiology, epistemology, all theologies. Um, you love Jesus. That's what I most care about. <laughs> uh, we need all that other stuff. But you love Jesus, you obey the word, and you lead your family well. And so those are the things that, that are grounded for me. I want you to hear that. I want that publicly said and stated. Our, our, our job is to shepherd um, people in their hearts and their souls. That's what's most important at the end of the day. Um, we have to lead our own households well. We're not perfect by any means. And so we'll be the first to tell you that. Um, but God doesn't use perfect people. He uses us. <laughs> um, and he's chosen to do so. And so I, I relinquish that need to be perfect, um, which is hard sometimes, and so I, I call you in that with us and, and thankful for that. Um, you've served in every role here. Uh, you've weeded the ditch out here. You've trimmed the bushes. You've served in Summit Kids. Um, you lead an MC and have for, for years, and so we've seen you lead on every level, um, and so what we're simply doing is affirming what God is doing, um, and it takes a long time to do that because we want to make sure that that's what God is doing, in fact. Um, I don't want to miss that. I, I know you're not seeking a position for yourself. And because you've watched what we've been through and, and what you know what elders do, that you're not doing that. So I just want to affirm you in that and say, I love you. I love to watch that. And I look forward to doing that with you in the future. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs>
So you know what your problem is, right? <laughs> your, your strengths stand out so much, it's really hard to come up with something unique because all these guys have talked about what I was going to talk about, with the exception of one. So I remember seeing you standing in the back when you first got here, and um, several of us have this, I think, but uh, my, my pastor radar went off. So I, I stepped back, as one would normally do. Um, but no, seriously, it, it was obvious. Um, you are a man who loved Jesus and followed Jesus. Um, so getting to know you um, has been encouraging to know that you're also a man of integrity. Um, people have talked about your humility and your, and your encouragement, which is, which is huge. You always seem to have a smile on your face, an encouraging word for somebody. Um, and getting to know you better and to know your story, um, to know that the deep hurt um, you experienced at the, I'll say the hands of men, uh, of religion, not the church. Um, I mean, we are the church, and, and, and you'll ever well. So that's, that's been an encouragement to me, um, to know that uh, I just count it a pleasure to serve with you. Um, honestly, it is, it's going to be a joy to get to know you better, um, to walk with you, to pray with you, um, to watch you continue to parent. Um, as you have, you're in this unique stage of life. Um, it's almost like you got a do-over, I think you've said. Um, so, yeah, well... <laughs> And I'll be watching, no. Um, but it, ha it has been a pleasure, and I look forward to it uh, for many years. Uh, so I, I charge you with this, to never forget the broken road that you've traveled because it allows you to re relate well to those who have traveled that same road and perhaps still are. Uh, to remember your first love from Jesus, uh, who, who lived and died for you. To continue to love your family well, not looking back, but through all seasons of life, looking forward to what God has for you and for them and to pour yourself out for the church, knowing when to retreat and when to rest. Shalom. We're just going to lay hands and uh, pray over Mr. Clay. So, Father God, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather this morning to, to celebrate what you have done, that you have set Greg apart, uh, that we... We have recognized that, that the body has affirmed that, uh, that we welcome him to the elder team to, to walk with us, to serve with us, to protect with us, um, and, and mostly to, to love with us. Uh, Father, just continue to do what you have done in him, to grow him um, into the man that you created him to be, to let him be an influencer um, among his family, among the body, among those outside these walls that see him through day to day. May he be um, so, so rich with your fragrance that people want to know what makes him different. Um, Father, let him be quick to, to tell um, and to defend when, when necessary um, the truth that Jesus is who he said he is. Um, and that's why Greg lives the way he lives. Uh, so, Father, I just pray for him that he would have um, the courage to speak um, when, when words are needed. Um, Father, the wisdom to be silent when you call for that. Uh, but most of all, Father, I just pray that he follows the spirit that you have placed in him, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That allows us to, to walk with you um, daily, um, each morning when we, we rise up and you, you lend us breath. So we pray all these things in your son's name and by his precious blood. Amen. 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 All right, good morning. <laughs> Change, right? We're going to get right into it. Um, Glad that you're here this morning. Just uh, some, some reminders. We're, we're doing our, our concentric circle givings of, of local and regional and global. Today, I'm the poster child for global. 
right? Uh, so we're giving to uh, Mountain Child. Um, so just remember, we did DHR, and we're looking at the church plants that are regional, and then we're backing out into global giving for Mountain Child. Um, thank you for being here today. I wanted to take a, a moment and pause uh, because this is the last time we're going to gather this year, uh, except for our, our Christmas Eve service, which is my favorite service of the year, but uh, as, as far as a Sunday morning. And you may be thinking, how did 2019 go? Many of you are ready to see the door close. <laughs> Many of you had a great year. Um, I want to just kind of give a little bit of a, a, a moment to look back on God's faithfulness here. Um, this is more maybe more of a time of, of thanksgiving than it might feel like Christmas, um, but I think it's a good time to do that because we don't need to forget where we've come from, um, and we don't need to forget God's faithfulness to his name. Uh, we started here, and not even in here, we started in an, another building uh, coming on seven years ago with four elders. Uh, I was part-time, I was bivocational. Um, Lake, many of you don't even know, was here part-time and helped us lead worship from Madison. Um, we have a staff now. We had a staff and elder party this Friday. I just say thank you uh, for pouring your lives out, for our volunteers uh, weekly and, and during the week that come up here and, and give of your time, that see what you do as a mission, that, that part of the mission is changing diapers. It is. The mission goes forward, sometimes one diaper at a time. And you're like, this doesn't mean, you understand that it does mean something, that it's part of a, a greater whole, that it's not just serving on Sunday morning, but it's a, a composite picture of the whole kingdom of God going forward uh, on, on Sundays, on Mondays as well. I, I still remember my first grade Sunday school teacher and what I learned. I, I still do. And this year, we sensed a call from the Lord as we prayed, elders, and we, we prayed to do some things different. That took a little bit of courage uh, in following him forward, and I've always said it, I'd rather... I'd rather move forward in faith than sit still, play it safe, and wonder 10 years ago, you know, 10 years from now, I wonder what would have happened if we had done that, right? I'd rather go forward and, and, and follow the Lord. And you guys have stuck with us through that. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, um, we just kind of paused everything in January and February and into March. <laughs> we just stopped every, all programs, and we stopped and we prayed. Because we don't want our, our, our systems and our structures and our programs, we don't want you to serve them. We want them to serve you. We don't want to go get uh, a person to teach this class just because we need somebody to fill what structure we've created. What, maybe we need to stop everything and get on our faces and ask God, what are you doing now? And that's what we did. And so I say thank you. Because we didn't, nobody ran away in fear going, oh no, what what's going to happen? We stopped and we got on our faces before the Lord. There were internal changes that came. And honestly, we, we grew. And what, what we call the lazy numbers, if you will, you know lazy numbers, um, Sunday morning attendance and uh, the budget. Yeah, we, we hit them. I mean, we're going, we're there increased. That's great. But here, here's what we really care about, disciple making, okay? It's about discipleship. And, and, and that's hard to measure sometimes. I mean, you can start, there were 13 baptisms. And you can start with that, but... After the pause, what we realized is we, we came up with a discipleship framework so that we have an idea, and you can look at it on paper, of what it looks like to go in this church from being a brand-new disciple of Jesus to a mature disciple of Jesus. And there are pathways, and there are strategies, and there, there are things that, that we are part of that are building. We've, we've found weaknesses. We talked to people, here, here are the weaknesses. Okay, well, let's look at those, because I know that they exist. I've been here a while. 
We piloted um, equipping classes, theologically based, topically based. Uh, we added Bible studies on, on Sunday nights. DNAs grew this year. That's a, a groups of, say, men, and men specific or women specific with three or four people together. We grew more there this year than we ever have, and we want to see that continue to grow because that's where we go deep. That's where we become disciples of Jesus, and there's accountability, and, and we go deep in the Lord. In our worship, we're blessed to add Stephen Sims uh, to lead us since the summer. And we're thankful what the Lord is doing as the worship team grows. And to see his heart for worship and how he loves Jesus and his, his love for people is evident. What a, what a humble servant of the Lord. Summit students. There were changes there, right? There are salvations and baptisms coming uh, from this year alone. And this semester was full of students and student leaders encouraging one another to be excited about a new year to see what the Lord's going to do. Questions like this. Hey, how can we, where we go to school, how can we uh, impact that place for the kingdom of God? Those are normal questions that are coming up. Knowing that the students are not the future of the church, but the church <laughs> right now. And we're not waiting for you to be the church one day. You realize you are, and we're, in, we're integrated. We're doing that together. We, we celebrated being able to pull, bring somebody on to give full-time vision and focus and leading to our students in Luke Whaley. What, what an answer to prayer. And on a side note, our student culture is one of service. I mean, I think maybe at least half, if not more, of our, our volunteers are students. <laughs> so when they go to camp, we're like, what are we going to do? <laughs> They're all serving everywhere, and they get that, and they enjoy that, and they model that. I'm extremely proud of them. So I say thank you. We've made some inroads into the community that were not there before. Um, number one, the Women's Resource Center through Brooke Thompson leading that. I think a lot of those volunteers are from here. I go up there, and I'm like, I know you, and I know you, and I know you, and I know you. We're serving in the community. DHR, we're getting to know them through taking breakfast and, and learning, where, where can we serve you guys? We did through the Christmas thing, but that's just an indoor to a greater good. Down the street, Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church, an African-American church. There's some bridges being built that haven't been there before. Brian McMillan's the pastor there. We, we have breakfast regularly now. We're working on a food bank partnership with them to go from maybe monthly to bi-monthly and volunteering together. We're working on getting our van fixed up so they can make a mobile food bank. Because when I was there working uh, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, uh, a gentleman was trying to walk in to get some food and he, f he fell. I'm a PT, a physical therapist, so I'm just used to helping people get up. That was, I'm like, man, he can't walk very good, but he needed food. And so he was willing to go and to do that. And so they're looking at maybe a mobile food bank. And so we're just, how can we work together on these kind of things? Um, seeing multiple wins, not just in reaching out to the marginalized and the poor in the community, but also racial reconciliation and working together and doing that at the same time. That's, that's <laughs> amazing. Oh, this does your heart good. We're developing relationships with other black pastors in the area. We're, we're sitting down, and Joel and I had a conversation uh, with, with Pastor English. He was just like, well, tell me about discipleship. How do y'all do that? How is that different than us? And, and we were just going back and forth on ideologies and philosophies and what the Lord is doing, and he was just getting excited. I'm like, man, take it. Whatever we have is yours. We didn't earn it. We, we want to give away anything that God has done. And to have and to be in on these conversations, y'all can't do that all the time. You're not hanging out up here. You're not supposed to. It's okay. But I've got to figure out how do I tell you about these things. 
Alma is, is the uh, Athens Limestone Ministerial Alliance, working together with other churches to do things like Convoy for Hope or Convoy for Kids and actually see churches coming together and, and uniting around what brings us together rather than what divides us and, and territorialism and, and all the things that are associated with, with churches in the world. We're breaking that's being broken down by the Lord. I, was, I even prayed at a, at a Unity Thanksgiving service right after an African-American pastor just laid into everything. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to come up and pray right after that. And that, was, that was very ethnically correct, you know. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, so I just prayed, and it was beautiful. We're working together on planting a new church, New Eden. And so we're not just talking about these things. We're actually willing to sacrifice. And we're going to talk about in January, talking about counting the cost and what it means, that it's not just a financial cost, that it's not just an emotional cost, that it's not just a relational cost. That it's all of that coming together. I want you to be prepared for that. It's worth it. Finally, global missions. We've had more people go on mission this year than we have in the past ever. There's one, the Seaforts. This is if you came to Global Share Night. By the way, we had the most people at Global Share Night that I've ever seen. I just, I get excited about that. I'm like, whoa, look, this is awesome. We're coming together to pray, and it's about global missions in the heart that God has for the world. And the the, the Seaforts, a family here at church, Instead of going on vacation, they raise their own money and go to Ecuador (laughs) to minister. Who does that? That's crazy and fantastic that we even have people who think like that. What a blessing. I pray that that catches fire. I pray that that's not just one, not a one-off, but that we have a heart for the nations like God has a heart for the nations, that, that, that he is a missionary God, that the Holy Spirit is in us to reach out to the nations. So I, I, I'm wearing a, this shirt, right, <laughs> Nepal, just to remind us. And we're going a bunch of places, India, Costa Rica, Nicaragua. Uh, we're, going, we're, we're, we're brainstorming and, and thinking, where, where, God, where are you leading us to go next? We have MCs that they can't go because... You know, you know, like just to go to the Himalayas, you have to be able to take off like 14 or 15 days. Like my last job, they told me, no, <laughs> you may not take off that much time. And so what I, I've seen in just the last three months, we've had MCs say, hey, we can't all go, but we will do fundraisers and we'll put on barbecues or we'll, we'll sell uh, lunch afterwards and we're going to raise money so other people can go. That's decentralized. I didn't even tell anybody to do that. They did that on their own. It's beautiful that you guys are thinking like that. This is your family. This is what you're part of. And it's growing, not, not just this way, but deep. And we're caring about the right things. And we're realizing where we fall short. And we're, we're owning up to the places where we can improve and where God can change us. And we're, we're on our faces. And from that humility, I think God is just... He's blessing us. I just pray that that continues into 2020. And we take one step at a time. So let's just pray and thank the Lord. And then we'll get to a very short sermon. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Would you take us deep? Would you not allow us to just tread in the the superficial waters of religiosity, 
um, and just data collection and knowing about you. But Father, would you drive that deep into our hearts, the information that we gather in our heads, that by your Holy Spirit, it would move into our hearts and take into in the good soil and it would produce a crop that is 30, 60, 100 fold, that, that there would be faithfulness and fruitfulness by your grace, that you would lavish your love upon us in such a way that we would receive that and we would display that to the world. And this city, this county would be different, more different than it is now, that you would multiply what you're doing now, that we would know how to reach out to the poor and the marginalized. We would know how to reach out to our neighbors, uh, our cubicle, uh, the people that are in cubicles next to us or in desks next to us at school or, or wherever we are, God, that it would be truly from the neighborhoods to the nations, that there would be a power from your spirit that is just interlaced and permeating what we do and what we say, that we are on our faces in the morning, that we're growing deep through our, our daily Bible readings and, and our communities. Uh, they're encouraging one another and that you would change us as you change the world and bring pockets of the kingdom to bear as the gospel is advanced and we see a difference for your glory, for your name's sake, and then our joy would be attached to that. Father, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we were in Luke 2. This is our last of our Advents. Right? We've done love and hope and joy. And today is peace. And the word Advent means arrival or, or coming. We talked about that the last few weeks. And so it's set, the word Advent is set into tension, uh, and it's the four weeks before Christmas, set into tension with the future and with the past, right? Uh, the past when Jesus first came uh, as a baby in a manger and declared war uh, against sin and death and Satan, and it anticipates the future when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take all the sad things and make them come untrue. He's going to set all the, the sinfulness and the brokenness in the world, and he's going to set it right. And so we're, we're in between, and we're looking back, and we're saying, yes, thank you. That's the down payment on the, on the promise when the Spirit was released after Jesus came and his death, burial, and resurrection. You are coming. You are coming again, and we long for that. And we ache, and the Advent is actually that aching and that longing for him to come back. And we focus on peace, and the peace of, of verse 14 of Luke chapter 2 is a messianic peace. It's more than just lack of conflict. A lot of times we say peace, we just, so like in my house, I have four children, and I'm like, I just want some peace. And what I mean there is I want lack of conflict. <laughs> I just want everybody to shh, just, just, right? But it means more than that here. It's more than peace that you feel in your heart, although it does include that. It's bigger than, than that. And, and I think sometimes we don't feel like God is working on our lives because our definitions are wrong and we base reality on our feelings alone and not on the truth. And so we must learn that, that, that we, when, we divide, when we define truth by what we feel, we miss it. We've got to define what we feel by the truth and, and learn to let our hearts be led by God's truth and not the other way around. And so peace here, it means a completeness, a restoration of all things, a, a future, rightness with God that, that then spills over into the world, right? It applies to individuals, peace with God, peace with each other, and it applies to nations. It's the, it's the same thing. I think the best picture of peace, or the one that helps me the most, which is, is in the book of Revelation, is the idea of, this gar of the garden being revisited, where God looks in the beginning and he says, 
what he made. Oh, that's good. That one day again, when the whole earth is restored, that he will say, that is good. With a lack of sin, disease, death, hunger, hate, relational strain, family dysfunction, marital strife, all gone, all replaced with what's supposed to be. This rightness, this harmony with the world, is what God calls peace. And we get a taste of that at Christmas, a little bit. Maybe a little less angry at the person that pulls out in front of you on the road, or you'll give them a pass, or you'll let somebody get in front of you at line at Walmart. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I might be pushing it right there. But for a little bit, for a couple of weeks, we seem to desire to be more like the people that we were created to be. We love, we're more generous, we're kinder. Less self-centered, more giving and humble. We reach out more. We go out of our way more. And it's simply because it's Christmas. Non-Christians do it. And see, Jesus restored the relationship and brought peace between God and man. This is the ultimate meaning of peace. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah. In verse 14 here in Luke 2, it says, Peace will he'll flood the earth with whom with those with whom he is pleased. And the only way to be pleasing to God is to come to him through Jesus Christ, to believe in what Jesus did on the cross in his work, his death, burial, and resurrection. World peace that everybody wants never will come without peace with God first. And the peace that we long for the world to experience is the same peace that we long for in our hearts individually, that restlessness to be settled. True horizontal peace never precedes vertical peace. Right? That we always have to go vertical, and everything starts with God first, and then it moves outward horizontally. And we must start in the right place. And the Bible says that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we are now at peace with God. Romans 5 says it like this, 5, 1, and 2. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we've got this idea of peace. This is how we have peace because we've been justified by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus did for us that we could not earn ourselves. Though we try, we try to be a good dad, we try to be a good friend, we try to be a good husband, we try to be a good student. I'm going to get some initials by my name. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to show these people that I am worth this. doesn't work. You're justified by faith. And learning to live in that freedom that God has given you through Jesus Christ. Verse 8 goes on to say this, But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore now we've been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him by the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were, so while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? More than that, verse 11, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now receive reconciliation. This is where peace comes from, the restlessness in your heart. I think St. Augustine said it this way. He said, Lord, may our hearts be restless till we find our, our, our rest in thee, in you. And that's where we get that restlessness in us. We think, well, I changed my circumstances. That'll go away. If I get a new job, 
If I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if I just get married, ah, that'll, that'll take care of that. No, Jesus brought us his peace, reconciliation. In John 16, he says this to encourage his disciples when he was telling them about what was going to happen as he was going to the cross. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. You'll have tribulation. But take heart or be encouraged. I've overcome the world. So we're going to be in the world that's full of trouble, and we can still have peace. So you don't get peace because trouble goes away. Trouble stays. You have peace in the midst of it. That's Christianity. Okay? That's how that works. Peace has not yet filled the earth. But it does exist in this world of trouble. We have access to it just like joy and hope and love that we've talked about. Now, walking in that peace is a different story. Jesus says, in me you may have peace. Not, here's some peace, run with it. It's like, like he, he gives you 10 bucks and you just take that $10 and that's yours and you run off with it. it. It doesn't work like that. And it's not, say a prayer and you'll have it instantly. It's about abiding in Christ. This future promise of, of peace is available now through Jesus Christ because of his victory. And it's a characteristic of the new covenant where God is reconciled to man. And it forms the basis of our reconciliation to others. Why are you talking about this, Jamie? Family is hard at Christmas. <laughs> it just is. You need to understand the basis of peace. It's not video games. It's not giving somebody what they want so that you can have them off your back for a couple weeks. It's not earning, getting out of somebody's debt by giving them something, right? In fact, Ephesians 2 verse 14 says that Christ, he himself, is our peace. It's like the embodiment of peace. And he says, my peace I leave with you, abide in me, right? And you may need to wrestle with that this Christmas. Now maybe, well, I just want to have peace and goodwill to all men. You may need to wrestle with that. <laughs> this is difficult. War and peace coexist. But you have to know that the peace doesn't depend on your circumstances. It depends on your dependence on Jesus. You guys... Uh, one, of, one of my favorite, I always do a Christmas movie somewhere, but one of my favorite Christmas movies is It's a Wonderful Life. My family doesn't care for it because it's in black and white, and they've totally dismissed it. But we did watch it. Okay, that's true. But <laughs> my wife is down here. She's like, wait, hold on. There's a colored version now. And so we watched it, and it's, you know, this year as a whole family, uh, which was, I, I absolutely loved. And if you know the story, George, George Bailey, right? George Bailey has dreams as a young man. Big Huge dreams. He wants to see the world, and he wanted to go to college and build skyscrapers and bridges and, and kick the dust off the small town of Bedford Falls and make his mark on the world, as we all do. We want to matter. You, want to, you don't want to just get to the end of your life and go, you know what, that didn't really make a difference. Nobody, nobody wants that. We want to matter. He first, he saved his little brother, and there was... It fell into a, an ice hole, right? Remember, and he lost hearing in his left ear. So he couldn't go to war. He couldn't do what normal people did back then. He couldn't leave town and go to college because his father passed away and, and left him his business that he didn't want to run. And 
he felt obliged to run it just so that everybody in the town didn't have to crawl to Mr. Potter, you know, the, the, the evil guy that wanted everybody, wanted to own everybody's soul in the movie, to have their money coming to him so that they would have to bow to him. He thought, well, when Harry comes back from school, you know, I'll get my chance then. Well, his brother got married and got a good job, and so George's dreams were put on hold again. He was stuck. Then there was a crash in the stock market that, that happened, if you remember, and there was the rush on the bank and the savings and loans, and he had to save a business that he didn't really want with the money that they had saved up for his honeymoon. And so that didn't go the way that he thought it would go either. So he's saving a job that he didn't want. And then you'll remember Uncle Billy at the end lost $8,000, which is, I did the, I asked Google how much that was, and that was well over $100,000 nowadays. So that's a lot of money. And it leads George to looking over his life and necessitates him crawling back to his nemesis, Mr. Potter, asking for money. And what, if you remember what, George, what Mr. Potter says, George, you're, more worth, you're worth more dead than alive. And you can feel like that. And you can fall into self-pity. And at that moment, there's a little bit of heavenly intervention. And George gets to see what life would be like without him. And he realizes that money isn't everything. And the abundance of life isn't found in success or money or following your dreams. And he's rewarded with his friends coming in, right? And, and they all just start giving and they're generous and it's amazing. Nothing worked out like he had hoped. And the happy ending isn't that his circumstances changed. He still had a job that he didn't really care about. And he didn't get to see the world and build skyscrapers. And the circumstances didn't change, but it's a happy ending and it's a wonderful life because his perspective did, if you remember that. Now, for a gospel ending, instead of it going to, to let George see that, oh, you are the reason that everybody is who they are. You saved your brother, therefore he became a war hero. And you were there to save the savings and loans so Mr. Martini could have a house. And it's all about you. You are so wonderful. That's not a gospel story. That's making us the main character when Jesus is the main character, what he would see is that the Lord orchestrated and turned out what others meant for evil into good. And that he put him there when his little brother was there. And that he didn't want him going to war so that he would stay here and he would do part of God's plan here. And his sovereign plan is all weaved in and you're a part of it, not the main point of it. See, it's not just talking yourself into accepting your circumstances. It's not white-knuckling in it and go, you know what, I'm, I'm choosing to have peace. Good luck. Good luck changing your heart. It's trusting that Jesus is enough. It's learning to see more than what you see by his grace and walking in faith and abiding in Christ, even when it's difficult, even when you're overwhelmed, when you're in a sea of chaos and you feel like you're grasp, just grasping on anything to hold on in life and you take a breath. How? Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them, pondering them in her heart. You may need a reboot at Christmas. <laughs> just a moment to just stop everything and say, what is life about? 
You may not have a less busy schedule, but you can have a less busy heart. Abiding in Jesus, treasuring him up, meditating on him, depending on him, actually realizing where your life comes from and what the Bible says and how you've seen him be faithful in the past and not focusing more on the storm and the pain than you focus on him and learning how to do that actively and speaking to your soul like the psalmist says, oh soul, look at him. (laughs) That's what we want to do here today. That's why we're here. Treasuring Jesus. Pondering Him in our hearts, being honest and laying our hearts before Him. And and I'm broken here, and I don't know what to do with my family here. And my marriage is just, I I just, I'm trying, I don't know what to do, and I've got to be happy because it's Christmas. (laughs) Manufacture that. You can't. Jesus changes hearts and people and has power to meet us where we are when we're like that. Holidays magnify brokenness. Just put it right under a magnifier. And you're like, this is the worst time of the year. When it's supposed to be the best time of the year. Say, run to Christ. Fly to him. Treasure Jesus. And Jesus didn't give us this peace simply to hold on to and enjoy it for ourselves. We're now agents of peace to extend Please don't forget that. John 20, the Bible says this, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even though I'm sending you. And he said this, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We walk in peace to extend peace. You're now an ambassador of peace to your family, your extended family, to your spouse. If you've really received it, then you will really desire to extend it. You do not not pick and choose who deserves to receive peace. You did not deserve it. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to turn around. He didn't wait for us to deserve it. He came after us in the same way. As the Father sent me, so I send you, Jesus says to his disciples, and so there he sends us the same way. We are to extend peace and be agents. Peace makers, not just peace keepers. That takes courage. It may be having hard, uncomfortable conversations on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. It may mean that you don't avoid the things that you've avoided for years and you walk slap into them. But Jesus brought peace. And if you'll remember the way that he brought peace was through death. And you may need to leave your comfort zone too and walk into a battlefield to extend an olive branch in the same way that Jesus did. Full peace on earth will happen when Jesus returns. In the meantime, you and I extend it into pockets of the kingdom where we push back the darkness and the power of the Holy Spirit through his grace and advance the gospel, bringing peace with God to others. Merry Christmas, and let's trust Jesus together during this Christmas season. Let's pray together.